morning. Welcome to Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman. Today, we will explore the practice of meditation known as mindfulness-based stress reduction. Mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's going to be a a mouthful today, Judith, with our guest Judith Simpson of Belfast, Maine. Judith has studied with John Kabat-Zinn, who's the author of Full Catastrophe Living, amongst other things. And she is currently teaching this form of meditation in Belfast. John Kabat-Zinn developed the practice of mindfulness meditation to help people cope with stress, anxiety, pain, and illness. And mindfulness-based stress reduction is turned 30 years old last year, and it's now in most major hospitals and cancer centers in the United States, as well as all over the world. With mindfulness-based stress reduction, we can use simple but effective ways every day to increase awareness and reduce stress in our lives. And Judith Simpson is here today to tell us how we can get started with that. Welcome, Judith. Thank Thank you you very much. Well said, Rhonda. Oh, thank you. And it's really good to be on this side of the microphone, because I'm on the other side. All day long. Meaning? Meaning listening to WERU. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. moving to WERU. Okay, (laughs) great. A good supporter. And, and, you know, don't forget, this is a pledge drive. So at any time in the midst of our conversation, you can dial 1-800-643-6273 and help. So let's just start at the beginning, and we mentioned John Kabat-Zinn because he developed this, but you've been uh, working with this for a number of years now. Tell me well, and what it is and what I we're doing. I became intrigued by and learned about mindfulness-based stress, re- stress reduction, and it is a mouthful, especially when I say stressed reduction. <laughs> I read Full Catastrophe Living about 12 years ago, and I found it extremely helpful for me. I've been a teacher, an adult education person working with businesses for my career. And I thought, someday, I'd like to do this. And then I dropped it. But I did start to meditate on my own, very slowly, just a few minutes at a time. And I noticed a difference in my own life. And what I did then in the following 10 or 12 years was to investigate more about meditation, and to go back to an old teacher that I've had for a number of years named Charlotte Selver, who taught uh, right here in Maine, actually, who taught sensory awareness, which is just being awake. You know, being awake if you're teaching, being awake if you're listening to WBRU and moving to reggae, (laughs) just being awake in your life. Well, let's talk a little bit about two things. You've mentioned mindfulness and meditation. Mm-hmm. And how, how does that work? I mean, I, they there, there are going to be some people out there who are very sophisticated. Then there are going to be some people going, oh, I've heard these terms. What, yeah. what does that mean? Well, meditation means a lot of different things. Uh, it's a spiritual practice for some people. It's a secular practice for others. It's a a medicinal practice for others. Meditation is simply using your mind to slow yourself down for some purpose, for some, your own purpose. Mindfulness has a definition, and that is paying attention by choice to the present moment, and here's the hooker, without judgment. And it's a simple definition, but if you think of all the different ways our society criticizes and judges 
in a helpful way sometimes, you see that it's it comes naturally. So being without judgment is tough. Being without judgment is tough. So what you're talking about, living in the moment, mm-hmm. living in the moment is just being. By choice. By choice. It's very hard to live in the moment all the time. I, I don't even think it's advisable to live in the moment all the time because we would never fix dinner or go to the movies or plan what we're going to do. But it's really possible to be in the moment by choice at any given time when you're feeling out of breath, when you're ready to go on the radio. That's when you need to be mindful. And what you do then is to pay attention to what's going on. So right now, living in, we're absolutely living in the moment because here we are live on the radio. Mm-hmm. And here I am asking you questions. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do in an hour. I have to be right here with Judith, mm-hmm. knowing that we're li- people are listening, and that's what people are doing outside. If they are, if they're actually listening to their radio right now, you're living in the now. You're living in this is what's happening right now. Judith and Rhonda are, are on the radio, that's and I'm right. listening. And, and you're it's not cloudy outside. You maybe. may be thinking of questions that you may want to ask. But probably it wouldn't be necessary for you to be thinking of questions you're going to ask because it would happen naturally out of the conversation. And I'm not thinking of what I'm going to say with an outline, though I have words in front of me if I want to check a list or something. I'm looking at you and being with you and the fact that we have all of these other wonderful people surrounding us in the studio and out there is wonderful, a miracle. For me, it's like coming home. We're having a little awakening moment right here. I hope you are too. Um, Yeah, wake up. Wake up, wake up. (laughs) Right now. Um, um, Oh, and so how many people are going, oh, I don't think I'm living in the moment right now. Uh Uh-oh, I did something wrong. Yeah. And those are the the judgments. This is what what Mm -hmm. comes up. Oh, I should have said that. Oh, why did I do this? I can't believe I did it that way. That's not living in the moment. Well, Well, it is a particular kind. (laughs) It's a pretty stressed out moment, isn't it? But it's common, isn't it? Very common. It has a name, actually. The the single statement is not so much it, but when you start thinking like that and the thinking keeps going on and on and on, it's called ruminating. And it's kind of like a cow chewing its cud, turning something over and over and over. And the more you turn it over in your mind, then the more you think of all the extenuating circumstances. I've heard the slang, coulda, shoulda, woulda. That's right. And I think all of us have done that and probably still do. It's normal. Mm -hmm. That's what the brain does. And what does that do to our bodies? Because I know that since this is in hospitals and we deal with it more as a uh, physiological oh, yeah. aspect, oh, yeah. what happens to our bodies when we're ruminating, when we're in judgment, when we're living in that stress? The body is amazing, utterly, totally amazing. And it's the only thing that I know I'm going to have with me all the time that I'm alive. So it's really my best reference to what's going on. So my body tells me if I'm nervous. My breath comes a little faster. Sometimes my heart beats a little faster. Uh, the body cooperates with this by getting ready to, to strike, 
getting ready to stop something or to start something. So you have this whole physiological system. The nervous system is getting ready to do something. And when you're ruminating or thinking up something over and over again, you're usually not doing something. You're being nervous. And so you might feel prickles in your fingers or in your hands. Your heart might beat a lot. You might break out in perspiration. Mm -hmm. You might get a pain in your shoulder. You have to know what your own body does when it gets excited or frightened because that's your clue. That's your clue to make a choice. So how do we get familiar with that? What is the practice? What's the beginning? The very beginning is, I have to say it's not a momentary thing. It's something that takes a lot of practice. The very beginning is noticing that something's going on and then making the choice to pay attention. Actually, there's a program here on WERU called Mindful Parenting, Outstanding, done by Nancy Hathaway. Mm -hmm. And it's about paying attention to being with your children, to being with them, to what they're doing, and responding to them directly. So you choose to pay attention when you're feeling stressed or just when you're out somewhere. And you allow your mind to rest on what you're paying attention to. But the mind doesn't like to do that. The mind thinks. That's what the brain does. It's it thinks. It's job. So thinking comes in. Sometimes comments come in. Sometimes judgments come in. Let me give a very simple example, and I'm making it up on the spot, but I'll think of a well, good we're, one. We are a living tangerine. in the Tangerine. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. You know, this is the season for clementines. They're just about out now, but these little small, probably imported from Spain, tangerines, they're beautiful. They're shiny. They're orange. And when you look at them in a bowl, your mouth can stop and water. Now, you could pay attention to something else, or you can pay attention to that tangerine. And just as you reach out for the tangerine, maybe your mouth waters a little bit, and you put your hand around it, and you feel a texture of it. And everybody remembers what it's like opening a tangerine. The smell just bursts out at you. And then when you think about putting it into your mouth, same thing. So if you at home or at work put your mind on what it's like to eat that beautiful tangerine, you will remember your own experience of mindfulness. Unless, of course, you wolf it down. Or you don't like tangerines. And then you That's can true. actually meditate on on, on that in a way, but what we want well, to be positive, don't we? Meditation. Well, no, not necessarily. Okay. Meditation is centering your mind on something. Uh -huh. So mindfulness meditation is centering your mind on the present moment, usually aided through the breath or through a sight or like through the tangerine. a sound, like the tangerine, or a sound like the furnace going on or the sump pump as it is in my old house. Um, but if you can get your brain to pay attention to one thing, you're doing a neurological process in your mind. You are calling back your attention from off there, thinking, worrying, whatever you're doing, and you just keep bringing it back to a central point. When we begin mindfulness meditation in the eight-week course, we start out with breath. Just Keep coming back to breath. 
So that's how you get started. Mm -hmm. And then you go five minutes or 10, and you learn different skills for doing that same thing. You've experienced that yourself I have. in many ways. And I'm wondering, would you perhaps, uh, we're talking to uh, Judith Simpson, by the way. This is Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman on uh, WERU. Um, and we're discussing mindfulness-based stress reduction and simple, effective ways that we can increase awareness and reduce stress in our lives. And Judith, I'm wondering, do you think we could do a quick two-minute example <laughs> of... Uh, yeah, now, anybody who's driving, you have to either pull over, you can only listen, you cannot participate. Well, just just wait a little bit later in the program. Okay. Oh, okay. It's, um, I think it would be more helpful to wait a little bit later. Okay, we're going to wait. Of course we can. But one of the things that's really interesting, this sounds very simple, and it is simple, but it's not instant pudding. So we can do a momentary Actually, you've already done a momentary exercise because I'll bet everybody out there who's been paying attention, his or her mouth watered when we talked about the tangerine, if they like tangerines. <laughs> so you've had your experience of mindfulness, a quickie one. <laughs> a quickie one. We'll have a little longer one later yes. on. How's Maybe that? we do. A little breath. Kind of focus on the breath a little bit. So you started to bring in the idea of neurological changes. Yes. And, and brainwave changes. What? Well... Not specifically in brain waves. Um, we have learned a lot about the human brain in the last 20 years, maybe the last 30 years, but it's become more public now. We used to think that the brain learned, and then after a certain age, you stopped learning, and you had your share of new stuff coming in. You couldn't change it. But what they know now is that the brain is like plastic. It's moldable, and the things that mold the brain or mold the little passageways in your brain are the things you repeat over and over and over again. So if you repeat something regularly, it becomes a habit. The mind is created, the brain's created to make habits. If the thing that you create is something that brings you stress, that's a habit too. So you have to have an equally careful time, and sometimes a long amount of time, creating a new pathway. You know, there are people who have strokes, and there are parts of the brain that have been temporarily and sometimes permanently knocked out. What has to happen in the recovery of a stroke is the brain has to go around that spot that was injured and create new pathways, pathways perhaps to, to lift the arm and then maybe after a little more work to lift the finger. And after a certain amount of practice and time, perhaps that person begins to lift a leg and then a foot and then the toes. The same thing is true with mindfulness meditation. If you practice it, and there's a lot more to it than meditation itself, the more you practice, the better you get. And so you're changing the pathways in your brain. It's not magic. It's physiological. <laughs> well, I'm listening, yes, to the physiological. I'm, I'm looking at um, Full Catastrophe Living now with uh, John Kabat-Zinn's book about this. And he talks about how uh, people can live for many years cycling through episodes of stress and stress reactivity, followed by maladaptive attempts to keep the body and mind under control, followed by more stress, followed by more overworking, overeating, hyperactivity, substance dependency, or re-stimulation or rumination or all of those things that we were talking about. When one is in that kind of 
distress, and that is distress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess part of the mindfulness at first, the beginning would be, oh, look, I'm in the distress, just noticing it. You have to be aware of it. You something. have to be aware of it. Yeah. So, and then, how do you interrupt something like that that has the, that well, kind of well-oiled, lubricated of pathway? It's not easy. You have to. Or maybe it is. It's very easy. <laughs> we just have to do remember, it. Remember, it's, <laughs> sure, just do it, right? <laughs> That's exactly the same thing. If you've practiced paying attention to moments like that, which means you have to notice it first, then you have something that comes to mind to do. It may be to sit down. It may be to breathe and notice your breathing. I had a husband once who, when I was angry, he would put his hands on my shoulders and he would say, Judith, breathe. And that was great. He knew it already. Of course, when he was angry, it was trouble for him too. (laughs) Sure. But remembering to breathe, remembering to uh, perhaps do a stretch, easy little stretch, perhaps learning to walk slowly across the room and back, or to do something that feels more calming to the mind, something repetitive. That mm-hmm. those are there are many things you mm-hmm. can do. So in the stress reduction, the mindfulness based stress reduction eight week course, we're in the midst of one. How what is so we, you were talking about starting the breath just starting by focusing, using the breath as a concentration, as a yeah. way to break a cycle or to notice a cycle, to start paying attention. Well, you don't start exactly with the cycle. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing you start with, and it it sounds like the Mary Oliver poem we almost all know of it, starts out, you don't have to be good. Oh, do we have that here? There is. We have it around here somewhere. (laughs) But one one of the things that human beings do is they try to be good at what they're doing, right? Everybody wants to be good at what you're doing. I don't mean necessarily being nice, but to be good or to do good. If you've had a lousy childhood, for example, and had a really hard time of it, you very often will take on parenting yourself and telling yourself to be good. I'm getting kind of psychological here when it's a physiological thing. But still, if I'm reminding myself to be good all the time, I'm really down on myself part of that time. It's easy to get depressed because nobody can be good all the time. Nobody can do things perfectly all the time. The only way we learn is to make a mistake. Um, And the only way we seal things in our minds is to repeat them over and over again. So we start out with you don't have to be good. You don't have to strive. You don't have to reach forward for something. All you have to do is pay attention to the moment. You don't have to make judgments. There's a whole list of things you don't have to do. I have them usually in front of me. <laughs> but I said none. You have to have patience in your, with yourself. You have to trust yourself. Yourself, not other people. That's what people learn at the beginning. And that's just a concept. That's probably the most talking a facilitator does at the beginning to introduce those ideas. And then people decide what they're going to practice because you can't take a mindfulness-based stress reduction course without deciding that you're willing to do almost an hour of your own homework every single day. And that's a challenge 
But people don't take the course unless they're willing to practice. You don't learn to play, play tennis unless you're willing to practice or do anything else. You, as an acupuncturist, did a lot of practice mm -hmm. as you were learning. And it's the same way with this. So once you decide that you're going to practice, then you in get introduced to different ways you can practice. And usually the first one is being mindful of breath. And that's sitting down meditation. But there's also standing up and meditating, walking and meditating. And so through the eight weeks, we practice different ways of coming to the present moment. Some of it's like yoga. Yes. And the meditation in action, feeling the body, moving the arm mindfully, meaning being aware. You know, we can say that word mindful almost because we hear it so often, it almost becomes a... Uh, no one hears it. Jargon. Jargon. And popular. Yes, ha popular jargon, but there is meaning. Yeah. And the meaning, so if you were moving, imagine now you're going for your teacup and really experiencing what it is to go for that teacup. What if you slow down? And what, if, I'm, what everybody, yeah. whatever you're doing right now, what if you just took a breath and slowed for a moment and started to reach for whatever? Now, of course... If you have to get out of the way of a car, do it very quickly. But Don't do anything <laughs> quickly, please. <laughs> but I'm watching Rhonda, yeah. and I'm, I'm seeing her shoulder move roundedly, and I'm seeing her elbow lower just a little bit. And as she moves her hand towards the cup or whatever she's moving towards, I see the outside of her hand curve a little bit, and the fingers curve almost as if they're kind of being pulled towards the object. And then I see her closing her fingers over the handle and bringing it up to her. Now, you don't drink a cup of coffee this way all the time. And it's called sensory awareness when you really use your senses to pay attention to what your muscles are doing, what your skin is doing. Sometimes during meditation, I'll say things like, um, is your hair aware of your breathing? Are your shoulders breathing? Mm -hmm. Are your fingers breathing? And just by the nature of that, you are calming the nervous system. Yes, you are. You mm -hmm. are making a physiological thing happen. And probably everyone here has experienced that. I usually don't say what something is not, but yes. I would like to say this is not anything like numbing the brain or hypnotizing the brain. This is about waking up the brain to be attentive. And attentive means to reach out for and hold on to. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be so in pretty much any endeavor. So one can work whatever, is, whatever your job is, no matter what it is. Air traffic controller. Oh. There are many things coming in. Yes. There are things to look at. There are electrical things happening. There are sounds. Plus, you know that you are responsible for helping that pilot move through maybe hundreds of other planes and get someplace. That can be done mindfully, too. And air traffic controllers, I'm sure some have done this 
kind of work, strictly because the burnout rate is huge. Mm. Because the, if the brain is paying attention to so many different things at the same time, commonly known as multitasking. Which you really it, can't do. It wears out. However, if you have something where it's essential to multitask, mm -hmm. if you continue to use your breath, I mean, how many times do I hold my breath when I'm doing something difficult? Yeah. But the breathing is very helpful. It's helpful when you're dancing. You can dance and hold your breath. I dance a lot. Mm -hmm. If I breathe deeply and pay attention to my breath, I can do all sorts of wild stuff and love it. So there is that sense of, of awareness that we can bring into all situations. And if we were discussing the political situation, if someone wants is being an activist in, in some manner, shape, or form, you can also bring this in to have what more ease or a little bit you with mindful attention to what you're accomplishing or not accomplishing. And what about the attachment to outcome? How this does is, that work? You know, with it doesn't with with this. Yeah, attachment to outcome is deadly to a lot of things. Of course, we have an outcome. And that's across a, across a lot of disciplines. Of course, we want to have an outcome. We like goals, and it's important to know what your life is planned to do. And if you pay only attention to the outcome, it's very easy to forget what's going on in the present moment. The other thing is if you're bound to that one particular outcome, you're closing out any possibility that it could be better or worse or different. And usually the outcomes we lean ourselves towards change. They change. So if you're not attached exactly to the outcome or to the, the checking up on or the test or, or whatever is at the end, you're free to be yourself. And you're free to attend, to pay attention, to be there for it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Politically, it's very interesting, and that brings us into the later part of the eight-week program when we start paying attention to stressful communication. And we've all been in stressful communication at some times. Well, the emotions can get involved. Problem-solving can get erratic. If you can stop and pay attention to what you're doing, you have a choice. You can respond to something that somebody else says, or you can react. Usually reacting is not very effective, unless somebody gives you a big kiss and you kiss them back. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you have the, 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 the practice of mindfulness can be helpful in, in those situations. Judgment. Mm -hmm. There's a time for judgment. Sometimes, if you're being mindful, you might make a judgment that for you to be angry over a certain thing or to a certain person or what a certain politician has done is not very useful. It's not very helpful. It doesn't affect very much of anything except you. Mm -hmm. What's useful might be teaching someone something. It might be uh, writing a letter. But you need to have time to decide what's the most useful. Sometimes when you're arguing with someone, the most useful thing is to say, I really can't talk about this now, and to stop. Mm -hmm. That's mindfulness. Being aware in the moment. Yeah. 
Just wanted to let you know that you're listening to Healthy Options on WERU, where it's discussing mindfulness-based stress reduction with our guest, Judith Simpson of Belfast, Maine. And she teaches this uh, form of meditation in Belfast. And uh, if someone wants to reach Judith, um, I think the... The best way is through email. So it's J Simpson, that's S is in Sam, I M P S O N, J Simpson at midcoast.com. That's probably the best way. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, this is uh, W E R U, and we are in the midst of a pledge drive. So I just thought I would take a moment to say, um, not remind yeah. people that they can c- call in uh, pledges at 1-800-643-6273 so you can practice awareness right now and help your corner of the world. And as you know, we are all aware of how important it is to support public affairs on WERU. And uh, so call right now, mindfully. Pick up your phone. <laughs> you could just do that little exercise we just uh, described and call one 800 Six four three six two seven three. Yeah. Did you want to do that, Judith? <laughs> no, that's okay. okay. One at a time. And you'll feel less stressed. You'll feel more present. <laughs> and you won't have any guilt no over guilt. not supporting this wonderful radio station, <laughs> our radio station. We are you. Yours. That's, we are you. That's right. That means you are us, too. That's right. And we, cuckoo, we are all together. Yes. one 800 643 Please do that while we uh, continue being mindful here in the studio. I want to talk about the body scan. Oh, good. That was where, <laughs> where we're going next, the body scan. Well, being mindful in terms of, of learning how to reduce stress means learning about the body. And this is learning about the body from the inside out. We can look at a picture or we can talk to somebody. But in the body scan... You're lying down, and you are paying close attention while you're fully awake to the toes, the feet, the bone structure, the knees. This is not relaxation. This is being fully awake. So as you pay attention to all the different systems and different parts of your body, you may notice things about your body that you didn't know before. You may notice a place that's a little tight because of something you did that day. You may discover that you're skipping over a pain that you ordinarily have. Uh, You may notice something about your neck or your face or any part of you. That's, again, from inside out. The body scan takes about 30 minutes, sometimes more. Okay, I won't ask you to do one. No way. (laughs) (laughs) I'll ask you to pay attention to your fingers maybe, but that's enough. So people start off doing the body scan, and very often they fall asleep because it's natural. You're lying down, you're used to relaxing, and that feels wonderful. But this is about being awake from the inside out and paying close attention, except instead of just the breathing, you're kind of separating yourself as you're moving up to your thighs or your elbow or your neck or your collarbones. And it's a real challenge. It's For some people at first, it's boring. It's slow. It's um, something people would like to hurry up with and get out, get finished with. And as I said, sometimes people fall asleep. But if you can get in the habit of knowing how your body is feeling, that's your best clue to how you're living. And Mm. 
it's your clue also if you're lifting something heavy that maybe you have to engage your belly in order to lift it. It's being mindful. So early on in the eight weeks, people are practicing the body scan almost every day. And at home, they're listening to a recording, a CD of me. Very soothing. Thank you. (laughs) Moving them through the body scan without praise, without judgment. And that's the important thing, too. We say it's important to have hospitality, give hospitality to your body. Welcoming. Welcoming welcoming, no matter what it is, which reminds me oh, yes, we're all of reaching one of your favorites. For a great poem. Well, while you're looking for that, I just want to thank uh, an, an anonymous uh, contributor from Lemoyne who's adding uh, an additional gift. So one, you, while we're, we're looking oh, for good. our poem, 1-800-643-6273. That is wonderful. Mindfully, thank you. Oh, I would love so, I would be so happy to know that people are pledging during this time. That would be nice. If you want to see me smile online, (laughs) call in. Please do. Um, Being hospitable to the body is, is really like treating the body as your most intimate guest. And Rumi's famous poem, The Guest House, is my favorite reminder, and I and you probably know it too, all, many of you out there. And when we read poetry, and we do all the way through the program, that's part of the training. It's part of what I've practiced and seen done. And we always read the poem twice, so I'm going to do that. It's called the Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. That's roomy. And you like that one especially, That's roomy. don't That's you? That's a good one. That's a good one. Very meaningful in terms of being in the moment. That's right. Because the, the other piece is I also, as part of the jargon, that this is all about feel good. And in fact, life, it's really, isn't it, about being aware of what it is. And we may not like it. It may not be 
exactly what we think it should be or how we want it to be. How do we be okay with what is? And that doesn't mean mm -hmm. that we don't, as we were talking about, to do action or to do something possibly to hopefully improve a situation. Mm -hmm. But living in the moment is this is what it is right now. I may not like it. This may not be how I want it to be, but here it is. Yeah. It's not knocking it aside or pretending it isn't there. Yes. In fact, there's a kind of a psychotherapy that's called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And it's used in many ways. But basically, the practice is the mindfulness all the way through. That includes the stretching. That includes the moving. Not being aware of depression or pain or something you're angry at, for that matter, is simmering around somewhere in the body. It's happening. And the only way to make a change is to become aware of it so that you know what you're looking at and then to gradually be able to look at it without revulsion or pain or deciding that you caused your own problem, which is what a friend of mine once called new age guilt. It's useless. So being fully present does mean noticing the ache in your knee and maybe wondering what it, what it's about, but also feeling around where it is and making an intelligent decision to rest it or take it to some practitioner. And I hope you're going to ask about medical practitioners and all the different kinds of medicine. Go for it. <laughs> You've asked your own questions. Well, it's not a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was, you know, the yes. Yes, medical practitioners. And <laughs> well, yeah. I was, you know, I think we, we can get to that in, in the sense of how is this, um, how is this being integrated sure. into it? And which is, you know, there, there are many, many different forms, as we discussed, of, of learning these techniques. But John um, and his, mm. and has, has done it in a way that it's, it's definitely been accepted more in a, a more traditional framework. And I do want to say once again that this is uh, Healthy Options, and we are speaking with Judith Simpson, and we're discussing um, and learning about mindfulness-based stress reduction. And uh, this is WERU. So, I mean, and it's pledge drive oh, time. Yes, so. so I would love to see somebody walk in here with another one of those little yellow cards. <laughs> so 1-800-643-6273. Yes. Mindfully, please, right now. It's very nice to be able to look around and see the engineer with his thumb up. Uh, the station manager <laughs> with his thumb up. Yes, oh, thank that's you, very good, Matt. <laughs> um, John Kabat-Zinn was working at the University of Massachusetts Medical School 30 years ago when at first he realized that interns are under an awful lot of stress and he wondered if maybe something could be done to help them. Well, he created this program probably in a simpler stage and then he realized that their patients, many of them, could use the same thing. This is not alternate medicine. It is complementary medicine. This is for people who already have health practitioners that they care about, their physician, their naturopath, their acupuncturist, their physical therapist. This, again, is complementary. Because when you think of it, Rhonda, as an acupuncturist, wouldn't you rather work with someone who has respect for his or her body who is capable of noticing what's happening as you're working. 
Mm -hmm. So anyway, John Kabat-Zinn created this training course, and pretty soon he decided he had to start doing some research about it. And I believe one of the first ways he did research was on a group of patients who had psoriasis. And the treatment then was to stand in a light booth for a certain amount of time every naked every single day, which could be very boring and very miserable. So what he had them do, one group went through the treatment, and while they were going through the treatment, mindfulness meditation was coming through earphones and these people were being trained in, they were being guided they were being guided and they had were practicing taking the course and the other group was getting the same treatment and at the end there was the the research done and i'm i should be able to give you the exact percentage no, it's okay. in the book and we know it's there among now thousands of other bits of research but the folks who had practiced mindfulness healed a little bit faster, were more relaxed, just a whole lot of different things. And so it continues to be used now uh, for all kinds of different things, not to cure anyone, but to enable someone to be there for being healed. Well, we do wonder what the healing process is yeah. and what that involves. It's in, and it is about being engaged and part, a participant. So it's not about someone doing something to you, which unfortunately is the experience of people who are mm. ill in our country quite and in, in, in the world in, in quite a bit. So th this gives you a little bit of a sense of, of involving your own healing powers. And that, again, does not mean that, the, again, being attached to outcome. Sure. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, I didn't get cured. You know, I, I, one of the, the greatest stories um, one of my colleagues tells is um, this was uh, her greatest success story as, as an acupuncturist. And I think she saw this woman twice. And the woman came for weight reduction. And she started to, she just did a basic treatment, um, constitutional treatment on this, on this individual. And the woman was saying, well, I need to lose weight, but, you know, I'm having trouble in my relationship. I don't like my job. So after the first session... The woman said, uh, called and said, well, you know, I've, um, I've, I've gotten rid of my boyfriend. I've applied for a new job, and I think I'm going to get it. And, and started to talk about these other things, and then came for the second treatment and said, you know, um, I'm going to change this in my life. I'm going to change that in my life. And it was just about getting in touch with being balanced in her body and then called and said, you know, I'm going to cancel the rest of my treatments because, you know, this just isn't working. Um, I have not lost enough weight. <laughs> but meanwhile, through her two treatments, she has literally balanced and, and you know, fine-tuned her, uh, her many other things. And I think this is a similar situation where, uh, you know, I've been breathing every day and I don't really get it. I, why aren't I cured? And it's not about uh, that, is it? It's, it's not about really health. about the cure. It's about the health. It, health, the, the original word for health has to do with wholeness. It's about being whole. And you can be whole if you have cancer. You can be whole if you're suffering for some extra something. We all suffer. We suffer from grief. We suffer from illness. We suffer from backaches. But we can approach that and be there for it and be whole. Um, it's extremely difficult to lose weight if you don't accept your body. 
because what are you working with? Well, it's really tough. These are complicated issues. Very much so. I just an example of changing your whole mm-hmm. life, but um, mm-hmm. being focused on it. I think that's being attached to the outcome, too, when you're not seeing what other, um, that there are other aspects of balance. Absolutely. This is how it's got to be. I'm, this is my goal. And that's very acupuncture-involved, too. It's good too. to have a goal. I mean, I mean we want to sure. have an, uh, but, and, not but, but and, uh, and we want to be open to living in the moment. Absolutely. You know, uh, one way, one major way that people come to these courses is to be referred by their doctors or by their therapists who understand that this is complementary medicine and that this will help the so-called cure, which very often is a some kind of medicine or some kind of activity. But again, if the person isn't there for it, isn't open to it, the medicine, the the pill, the touch, or whatever has less of a chance to help. Well, everyone has their own path. That's and there will be a reason why there would be resistance. So we Of course. So there's that again, the mindfulness of uh, and generosity and hospitality, to, to use your word of mm. allowing that to come in in its own time. Sometimes mm. it doesn't happen the first time through the course, you know? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, well, all right, I'm done and my doctor told me to. Or, uh-huh. But then in subtle, small ways, perhaps, uh-huh. or maybe not. And again, yeah, attachment to outcome, we don't know. Well, if we don't I stopped, know the good or we don't know what it is. <laughs> if I stopped meditating, except for the time that I'm teaching a course, I would, I don't know what would happen. I wouldn't be teaching any more courses. But one of the things that you said, Rhonda, is that there are so many paths to health. And it's extremely difficult to make choices. It's important that you make a choice that's meaningful to you and that you trust and that you respect. And you have to know what some of the paths are. And some of them you have to go on for a little while, whether it's with a practitioner or with a class or with a way of living, as the woman you were describing Mm -hmm. is. It's good to have help from a lot of people. It is. We're discussing a mindfulness-based stress reduction with Judith Simpson. She teaches this uh, kind of course in Belfast, Maine. And she can be contacted at on the email by at uh, J Simpson. That's S as in Sam, I M P S as in Sam O N Simpson. J Simpson at midcoast.com. And uh, this is Healthy Options on W E R U. Um, let's let's come back to some of the particulars again of the eight week the eight week class. And we talked about some of the breath concentration. Yeah, like the four activities, really. Uh, Mindfulness meditation, paying attention to the breathing, paying attention to sound, paying attention to thought rather than grabbing it. It's not about not thinking. So what does that mean, not grabbing it? Well, have you ever had an experience where you've begun to have the thought and then another one and another one and another one? That's cascading thinking. That, that's also like rumination over and over and over again. So that would be grasp. It would be. It would be. You've had a, a stressful interact communication, as we were talking about a little while ago. If you just come, uh, I think you'll 
you can pick up where we're at. Stressful communication. And you're trying to f- focus on the breath, but then that incident mm-hmm. comes into your mind and you're, well, mm-hmm. he should. Sure. And I should have said, and I can't believe I didn't say, mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have done that. And yep. she, why did why did they do that? It's really, and they're always like that. You and got it's it. It's their fault all the time. Yep. You know, and and why did I say that? And and really, it's about interrupting that cycle, and that, and usually interrupting with the body, which takes us to some of the other practices. Would you then? This. Oh, oh, look, I'm thinking. How would you break that? I'm thinking, or. When you notice the cascade, when you notice the rumination. Well, first of all, you notice it. Mm -hmm. And then if it's bothering you, which inevitably would be, you return to the breath because that's the one that's most basic until you're slowed down again. Because thoughts come through the mind all the time. We can notice them, but we don't have to grab them. Mm -hmm. Now, I read the Rumi poem, The Guest House. You can greet all of those traumas and troubles at the door laughing, but you don't have to rent them a room. (laughs) So you greet them, and then you allow them to move out. And the same thing is true with thoughts or feelings of all kinds, whether it's joy, pain, fear. They're not all negative. They just get in the way. And and you can notice that they're visiting. Yeah. Yeah. And say, oh, oh, there you are. Yeah. And, but of course, when you have a joy or something, oh, I want to hold on to that. Of course you do. That's the one we want. Yeah. That's the good one. Yeah. Isn't that what the outcome is? And that's it's exact, going. Yeah. As John, it's going my way. Yeah, I'm going to strive. I get to have everything I want, and that's good. And it what do you mean good. you're saying no to me? And the, What do you mean I can't <laughs> have that? Do it my way. That's yes. really... Really, or as in, in the Great Onion, you know, the satirical newspaper, there's a headline, someone should do something about all the problems, and they should do it my way. Okay, anyway. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that I have to say about that is none of it lasts. You know, the, the panic doesn't last, the fear doesn't last, the pain doesn't last, the ecstasy doesn't last either. And if we hang on to these things, it's a um, pretty sure sign that they won't last faster than they were. But I wanted to say the other things that we do during the, the sessions, because during the sessions, mostly it's the, the, the people doing it. I don't talk a lot. Uh, the people doing something. So we might spend a time on mindfully walking, just simply walking slowly, not in such slow motion that you're falling over, but walking Another time, we might spend an hour doing what we call mindful stretching. It's very much like yoga, except people can do this in a wheelchair. People can do it lying down. And if you're feeling athletic, you can do it standing up, but you do it slowly. So there's sitting, and there's walking, and there's the body scan. And did I leave something out? The yoga. So all of these activities are things that you bring into your consciousness and into your life over eight weeks of practice. And then you're using the mindfulness moment-to-moment practice, bringing in pleasant events, unpleasant events, the stressful communication, those things that you've... And asking people at the beginning of a class, um, do do you remember any mindful moments? And one came up yesterday, I think, about eating the mandarin oranges with yogurt and noticing that the mandarin oranges are so sweet. And that's a mindful moment. 
Mm-hmm. And that sometimes people will bring that into class. One person spoke about holding his hands under warm water after he'd been doing woodworking. That mm. was a pleasure, a pleasurable moment. Mm-hmm. So good point. So we're bringing that all together here. And um, once again, we are discussing mindfulness-based stress. Re- <laughs> I can't even do it anymore. You do it, Judith. Mindfulness-based stress reduction with Judith. It's a Simpson. big, long name, isn't it? It is. And mindfulness is like the word zen. It's become an in thing. I expect That's to see it. mindfulness perfume, mindfulness soap, blah, That's blah, right. blah. Be mindful um, with Don't your mind deodorant. mindfulness. <laughs> don't worry about it. But the teaching of mindfulness is happening in medical centers with cancer patients. It's happening in schools with young children, many schools across the country. Um, I'm teaching in a lot of different places. And wherever the wherever the need is, uh, I'm setting up a workshop for a group of teachers at one school. I'll be working in the new um, release program that's set up in Waldo County, where people from the prison will come for six months before they move into the community. And this will be optional for individual people there. But what better thing to do than to begin to call your attention to slowing down and thinking mindfully and feeling your feelings when you have to go out and find a new job and you're meeting people for the first time and sometimes people for the second time that you haven't seen in a long time and Mm -hmm. so it helps with a lot of different venues they're doing it in corporations now everywhere and the research is delightful well i know if you uh look online and and put this in you will Many, many pages of uh, research and information yep. will come up. And go to the, go to the, the John Kabat-Zinn, well, it's not the John Kabat-Zinn site, but go to uh, the University of Massachusetts Medical School uh, Center for Mindfulness. There's a huge scientific conference coming up in April, which happens every year, and it's fascinating, all the different things that people are doing. I, I particularly, being a lover of science, am interested in the research because I want to be doing something in my life that's effective. And I feel that it's effective, but it's really helpful to see uh, studies. Well, I that do show. know that um, in, you know, in, the, in the past, uh, some of the research from uh, the Trauma Resiliency Model and the Trauma Resource Institute, there's the idea of the wave, uh, a healthy wave of the nervous system response. Yes. So we have a stress and we get a little stimulated and then our parasympathetic, we are able to relax. And that's part of the mindfulness of mm-hmm. being able to, to, to deactivate our yeah. nervous system. And then that's our, our, it's a wave. It looks like a sound wave. And they have done studies with Buddhist monks and people who do this. And what they found is that the response time for the stress mm-hmm. is enormous. Mm-hmm. It's very, it takes a lot, yeah. a lot, and and it you know and then for for most of us it's sh- shorter. And then those who've suffered ver- a variety of traumas or you know difficult, then it's even of smaller. Course. And so we we can really see that this kind of mindfulness, this work, is um, absolutely uh, essential. In deactivating the nervous system and also creating space, some some yeah. breath. Creating space. These are stressful times. Multitasking is a skill that people are supposed to know how to do well. Well, the brain is actually, we really are not built to multitask. We, we cannot multitask. And that's, that's new research coming yes, out. I love it. It is. 
It is. Um, so, Judith um, Simpson uh, from uh, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction um, classes. So, are you uh, offering anything now? Is there anything coming up? Or we're just, I know we're in, you're in the middle of a, of a course. There are always things coming up. There'll be a series of courses started in May, probably one in the evening in Camden, because there's a, a group of people waiting for one there. Uh, right now, I'm teaching two back-to-back, which is very nice for me. And it's nice for the students, too, because if you miss Monday night, you can come Tuesday morning. There you go. And um, so this this is only on demand. So if people want to come, then there's course. And if a number of docs or a number of, of social workers or, or therapists send people my way, then we'll have a class. So that's how it works. Mm-hmm. We don't advertised though this is phenomenal for well, letting people know well we're we're discussing it and you Thank can you, you can just uh, again contact judith at jsimpson at midcoast.com and that's simpson it's so hard on the radio s is in sam i m as in many p is in peter s as in sam o n judith simpson at midcoast.com and um you know, we, we just have a, about a, a minute or so, a minute or so left. And um, is there anything you'd like to add? You have, you know, and I think we've, I think we've done it. We I have, think so, too. We have uh, been discussing um, mindfulness-based stress reduction with Judith Simpson. This is Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman. You're tuned to WERU. We do have a pledge drive going on, so mindfully... Please, please continue supporting this kind of programming. You will not find this kind of in-depth kind of uh, public affairs anywhere else on the dial. I guarantee it. So support it. 1-800-643-6273. Thank you, Judith. Oh, it's a pleasure. This was uh, wonderful. It's a pleasure to be here during the pledge drive. If if that door opened just one more time with one more (laughs) pledge, I would be... Do it for Judith. (laughs) Do it for yourself. Don't ever do it for Judith. (laughs) That's right. Mindfulness awareness. No pressure. Except call now. Okay. Listening to Community Radio, WERUFM 89.9 Blue Hill, and streaming and podcasting at WERU.org.